Hey everybody, welcome to Sunday service. Here we are, January 17th, 2021. And the topic for today is all about what is sub two? What the heck is sub two? It's a common question we get. It's amazing actually after years and years of talking about it, there's so many people that don't quite understand what subject two actually boils down to. And so today we're gonna talk about what the basics are subject two are. I believe I had a guest that was gonna be coming in here, Liz, to give her some special attention and uh, break some stuff down. Let me just make sure that she has the invite link and we're gonna get started here in just a couple of minutes. Um, guys, I would love to get some questions, some concerns, some issues, anything you guys have as it pertains to sub two, because we're gonna get into it today. We're gonna have a lot of fun. And Rick, my guy, Kelly Hanno, good to see you. Everybody, thank you. David Marsh, King Edward, a lot of the usual peeps coming in here. Appreciate you guys so much, thank you. Um, over 100 people watching live. We'll probably get up to about 250 to 350 people tonight. Again, thank you guys for tuning in and watching the broadcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about sub two. Yo, what up? Eva, I was just messaging you today on Facebook asking you what your daily activities are. Mark Wright, good to see you, my brother, out there in the Vegas market. Ooh, I love it. Huang Wei, Wei says they have the... Um, Cure for herpes. I love that. You got to love when your pod, your live podcast gets spammed. It's freaking amazing. Jeff, yo, yo, yo. I love it. Guys, do yourself a favor. Everybody should be putting in your Instagram name. Liz, there she is. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm really good. How are you doing? Great, great. Awesome. So um, remind me of our conversation last time. We were talking about having you come on as a special guest around what topic and what we're going to talk about. Let's remind the audience. Well, I originally asked you if we could deep dive into subject two and in, uh, specifically how to explain subject two or how the process works to explain that to sellers. That's, Love it. Yeah. So Liz, are you currently marketing in your business? Are you currently talking to sellers right now in your business? I am. Yes, I am. Okay, great. So are you running into sellers that have tight equity deals that have no equity or maybe people that have their houses paid off and they want way too much money for them? Uh, a lot. Yes. <laughs> okay. And what are, what challenges are you facing? So I could go a hundred different ways. Anybody that's in my sub two mentorship knows I can give you a 45 minute answer and then they come back and they go, Wow, that was amazing information. I'm so glad you told me that, but that's not exactly what my question was. So before I get sure. into that, tell me what are you running into and what specific questions you have relating to talking to sellers about subject to? Well, mainly what I run into is uh, people that, like you said, they just simply want too much for the property. They, they've looked at Zillow, they've looked at realtor.com and they're judging their the price of their house based on those prices or their neighbor two blocks over that has a house that's completely renovated and possibly even larger than theirs. And they think that they should get that price as well. So we educate them, you know, on, on, on exactly what they're, you know, what they need to look at as far as how they want to price their house or how they need to price their house and be realistic um, without, of course, um, making them feel uncomfortable. But, right. uh, but uh, mainly, I, I've only had one conversation with a seller where I brought up subject to, 
and I started talking about seller finance first and uh, they weren't keen on that because they just wanted to be done with the property. So um, then I, I brought up, have you ever heard of subject two? And they did have a mortgage in place, but they had, they had some equity in it, but not enough to wholesale. So basically what uh, they said, they never heard of it and they were very skeptical and they said it sounded something like it was a scam and I, so I backpedaled because I thought maybe it was the way I was explaining it or approaching it and I said well this this is done all the time you know people buy houses around here with that people call it buying on contract which is somewhat ironic because everyone buys on contract it just depends upon what type of contract it is so you're you sounds like you're in the Midwest smaller market yes Okay, so uh, a big way that people talk about it, let me pull this up just real quick, and I'm going to go single single screen on you, so sorry about this. No problem. But what you're talking about is people talk about something that we call buying on land contract. Okay, so the land contract is technically a seller finance deal that does not convey deed. So the deed stays with the, the original seller until okay. the home is paid off. Okay. That's a land contract. So in smaller markets, land contracts are used all the time. Land contracts in my market, the exact same thing, but it's called an agreement for sale. Okay. And we'll jump back into some of this stuff, but I just want to clarify some stuff for the audience. So agreement for sale, also known as a contract for deed, also known as this is kind of a funny one is agreement for deed. Or, so you guys see land contract, you guys see, um, uh, what is the other one? There's like five others, but they're all exactly the same thing. So essentially what it is, is buying somebody's property, utilizing creative finance, and not transferring the deed. So it's kind of like buying a car, right? So when you go get a car from a car dealership, you get a car loan, but who holds the title if you have a car loan? the bank the bank does right so that right. is what we call land contract that's a land contract it's where you don't have the actual title you don't have the actual deed to that vehicle until it is completely paid off so when you've paid that off now you get the title and that is kind of the old school midwest way of buying properties is buying them similar to a vehicle so you can say, people say, I'm buying on a land contract or I'm buying on contract, which simply means I'm buying on seller finance, but the seller is going to keep the deed until I pay the house off or until I sell it. The challenge with that, so here we are, we're talking about a couple of different things, guys. Um, hopefully this is helpful to have this up on the screen. But we've jumped into a few things. Number one, we're going to talk about this. What is sub two and how to talk to a seller about it? Number two, what is seller finance and how to talk to a seller about it? And now we've just ventured into a whole nother world, which is a land contract. Okay, so Liz, we'll come back to all these, but let's jump into, um, you have these conversations with these sellers. Yes. You guys bring up sub two seller finance. The seller, some of these sellers are probably in these smaller Midwest markets are saying, oh yeah, I've heard of selling on a contract. Where does the right. conversation go from there? Um, they either uh, want to know a little bit more, which 
most of them are uh, the ones that people I've talked to anyway are, are a little skeptical, but they have heard buying on contract. And then they, they chime in and say, but I still have a mortgage, so I can't be seller financing. So that's where I kind of need some help transitioning that conversation. So I try to explain to them, well, you, the mortgage stays in place. However, we pay your mortgage payment. You don't pay it, but you give us the deed. And then if anything, you know, and then they want to know, well, how is that going to benefit me in any way? Oh, well, that for, benefits them a lot. Yeah, it, well, the first thing I point out is just for security purposes is if for some strange reason, which would, you know, would not happen, we stop paying on your mortgage. The worst case scenario is you'd get the house back mm-hmm. and have to resell it. Right. And that seems to, to calm them a little bit. But they said, but then they say, well, but the whole purpose is to sell the house. And well, you are selling the house. You know, we're talking about uh, pie in the sky problems that come up, why we wouldn't pay your mortgage. So we're not planning on not paying your mortgage. That's not in the, that's not in the grand scheme of things. We're going to pay your mortgage. We're just saying that as a, you know, a, a, security blanket if you will you'll have your house back now how else it can benefit you is um capital gains you're not selling your house lump sum and you don't have you won't have to here you have two years to invest reinvest that capital gains you don't have to worry about that you know and we can play with numbers if you want cash out of pot you know cash in your pocket we can we can discuss that too Plus, we can pay, you know, we'll be paying on your mortgage. And, you know, if there's liens or anything else that we have to take care of, well, then we'll take care of that as well. Or we'll come to an agreement. Maybe you'll pay part. Maybe we'll pay part. Cool. So let me jump into something really interesting. This is the three reasons why a seller is never going to sell to you on creative finance. Okay. Okay. So reason number one, they're confused. Okay. Okay. Either A, underneath this, they don't understand the benefits, which you're kind of alluding to. So they don't understand the benefits or how it helps them. Or B, you are making it overcomplicated. Okay. We have to talk to these people like how old, how old are we supposed to teach these people like they are? Three years old. So you'll see a lot of times in my seller calls, my recorded calls with sellers, I've done, I think last year we probably recorded close to 700 recorded calls with sellers, just me talking to sellers, locking up deals. Um, I never use the word subject to seller finance, creative finance, novation agreement, uh, contract for deed, deed, title. I don't use any of those words whatsoever. Okay. So it is confusing to hear that because you're like, wait, how do you convey the conversation. How do you get them to understand? Well, let's go back to this. So the first reason why they're not going to sell to you on seller finance or, or sub two is because they're confused. That's number one reason why. Okay. Number two, and I see a lot of people jumping in here saying F-150, F-150, F-150. I have a lot of people know my F-150 story that right. I tell stores frequently. Okay. So number two, they need the money. Okay. So what do I mean by that guys? They need the money. I've verified this. I've asked the seller, Hey seller, 
you say you need the money, you say you need to get from out, out from under the property, but what are you going to use the money for? And if they say, oh, well, you know, I got to pay off some of this, or I got to pay off some of that, that doesn't need, mean they need the money. Typically what they need the money for is, hey, I actually have a house in contract that if I don't sell this house and get a down, get my cash out of it, I can't afford the down payment on my new home. That would be a need. That would be an absolute requirement. Another one would be something like I've had sellers go, my, my daughter's getting married and I need to pay for this wedding and I need the cash. Okay. So they need the money. There's nothing I can do. No way I can convey it. No story I can tell them to get them to understand sub two seller finance or land contract. It's going to get them to get on the same page with me. I just can't get them there. Now, Liz, what would be the third reason why a seller would not sell to you? Besides they're confused. They don't understand the benefits. And two, they, they need the money right now. Not a desire, not that they want the money. They need it. What would be the third reason why they would not sell to you? Um, the only thing I think of is they, they're thinking about hiring a realtor. I don't know. That would be part of it, but here's the short and sweet of it. They have no what? Pain. Oh, no motivation, no pain. No motivation, no pain. Okay, so anytime I'm talking to a seller, I will literally say this to them, Liz. I will say, um, and my students have all heard these calls. I'll say, hey, Mr. Seller. So typically it breaks down to one of three things. One of three th reasons why a seller is not willing to sell to me on creative finance. I don't, by that time, I, I may have used creative finance, but highly unlikely. I just say on terms. And I break down these three things to the seller. I say either A, I haven't done a good job explaining the benefits. B, you need the money right now. Or three, we just haven't figured out how I can help you utilizing creative finance. So which one do you think it is? And I would say nine times out of 10, it's always number one. It's okay. number one. They do not understand the benefits. And the reason being is because we overcomplicate things as real estate investors because we take for granted what we understand. We think that it's common knowledge, right? I teach a lot of people and I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself to constantly dumb things down so people can, you know, take bite si little bite-sized chews the same way that I needed to when I first started, right? So let's right. jump into it. Usually the first step to this is telling a story. So Liz, tell me what's a story that you use to convey seller finance subject to to a seller without using these words deed title creative finance sub to seller finance um contract or let's see uh what would be another word i say i don't now that's basically it without using any of these words how can we tell a story sorry i should have put this on the screen Without telling a, telling a story, how can I use not use the word deed, title, seller finance, sub two, creative finance, or contract? Well, you would tell the F one fifty story if it was you. <laughs> I would tell I would tell the F one fifty story. I would or I would tell the tree story. Okay, I've got a story about a tree that's really really good as well. So I've got the F one fifty story, and I've got basically the tree of life story that people seem to really, really like right now because it's, I think it's just fresh and new. So Liz, what story are you telling sellers or are you jumping right into these hairy words? 
I don't jump in. The only word that I will mention is contract because they do seem to understand that because it's known around here buying properties on, on contract, um, which is basically seller finance. Uh, it's not subject to. So I kind of start there. And it's like, and, they, and then they say they understand what that is. And, and then I'll say, well, it's, it's like that, except that we don't have to switch out the the deeds or the mortgage stays in place with the bank and then but I don't really have a story to be honest with you I don't really have a story that I tell them I I mean I could tell them a couple of how I purchased two houses um, that was really they're not con, uh, conventional but they're they're not seller too either okay so Liz I think I think you know what I'm gonna t tell you right tell them the truck story or the tree of life story or tell them some iteration of it, right? So tell them some iteration of either the F-150 story, the tree of life story, or come up with something, one of your own. So let's talk about this. Why would a seller sell to you on seller finance? Now, what, what are the benefits to them? Okay. Sellers will sometimes ask me, what's the benefit? Benefits them tremendously. Number one benefit, biggest benefit of all time. What is the biggest benefit of the seller selling to me on sub two or seller finance? Biggest benefit? Uh, it's fast. Biggest benefit, good guess, but more money. Oh, more money, yeah. Okay, so when people say, well, how does this benefit me? I go, man, how does it not? Throw it right back in their face. How does it not? I'm confused. I don't say I'm confused because that's obviously you know, rude, right. but, um, I'll say something like, Oh, well, um, maybe I didn't do a good enough job explaining. I'm so sorry. And I jump into it and I go, it comes all down to more money. The only reason you're talking to me is you, you have the hopes that maybe I can pay you more money than all these other nudniks and knuckleheads that are reaching out to you. Because we all know, Liz, have you ever spoken to a seller that has never spoken to another investor, especially in the last 30 or 45 days prior to you talking to them? Not very often, no. Right, it's very rare, and the ones that say they haven't spoken to somebody are lying, right? I have a, I have a famous saying, a lot of my students know this, but my famous saying, I told, I told them to put this on my gravestone when I die. And the, it says, buyers are liars, sellers are worse. Buyers are liars, sellers are worse. A seller that says they're not talking to another investor is 100% lying to you every single time. Grandma Smith, Grandpa Smith, my cousin, my dad, whoever, they're all lying. Okay. In this competitive market in real estate, there's not a single seller on planet earth that hasn't been called, texted, RVM'd, direct mailed to death. They're just choosing to ignore it until they're actually, uh, you know, ready for it. So benefit number one is I can pay you more money. Okay. There is not a single situation, not a single sub to or seller finance that I did not outperform financially. Okay. So I, there's never been a situation with creative finance that I did not outperform my competition, not a single time. So I tell that to the seller. I said, there's not a time that here's, here's why the F-150 story really makes sense to them. And I'll jump into the F-150 story for anybody that hasn't heard it. Um, a lot of my students have heard the, um, tree story. Um, so we'll see, um, if you guys want me to jump into the tree story, but there's never been a time where I did not outperform another wholesaler. Never been a time. Okay. 
Benefit number two. This one's kind of crazy. A lot of people do not understand this. But if it's a sub two, we actually improve their credit. Now, let's remind ourselves, why does a seller sell to you on sub two or seller finance? It's different reasons on sub two and seller finance. So with sub two, Liz, why does a seller sell to you? Typically because they have distress. Yep. A seller sells to you on seller finance because they have motivation. Typically, this is a low level problem. Sorry for my penmanship, guys. My iPad's like a couple, it's like a foot and a half away from where I'm, I wish it was. So that's a low level distress problem. That's like, I lost my job, right? My, my baby mama left me. We, I was smoking crack and I lit one house, I lit one part of the house on fire, right? Low level problem. Seller finance is different. Okay, so let's touch base on this. Seller finance is different because Can you guys see the screen? Hopefully you guys can. Liz, can you see the screen okay? I can see it, yep. Okay, so sellers want to um, sell to us, sub to, because they have a distress, a low level distress. Seller finance, they have a motivation, typically high level. Okay, and what would that be, right? I just bought a, let's see, maybe I'll pull it up and show you guys. I just bought a $1.3 million property in Atlanta because this seller that I bought the property from needed $100,000 in cash for a business, a legitimate business, by the way, not some like I'm making motorcycle parts in my garage type of business, which is this side over here. Okay. And I, am I being classist? Am I, am I being some sort of, um, am I being rude? Yes, I am. I apologize, but it is the truth. With sub two, you're always low level distress, okay? So when you're talking to somebody, what are the categories that you're typically gonna buy a lot of sub twos in? You're gonna buy sub twos in first one to three years of the mortgage being created, okay? Why is that? It's because they bought the home, they decided I'm getting a divorce from my baby mama or I'm, whatever's going on, I got a job transfer, one of my best properties I bought was last year. I got a seller who just barely bought the property. He was two months into the property and got a job transfer into another state. Okay. What did he not have at that point was equity. Right? right. Typically with seller finance, they have so much equity. Their motivation is I want a higher number. And that's really all I care about is a high number. I want to win. That's really what they care about. With sub two, they got a problem. So one equity, two arrears. And this is another unfortunate thing, but foreclosure is a huge, huge um, way to get sub two deals. Huge. So when you look at the, for, the impending foreclosure forbearance, that's going to be, be lifted at some point, hopefully, there is going to be a wave of foreclosures. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying it's going to crash the market. I'm just saying we're going to see a lot more foreclosures, which gives a lot of us a lot more opportunities. Okay. So when you're talking to somebody about sub two and seller finance, these are completely different human beings. They're not even close to the same type of person. 
Okay. Yeah, it's the difference between person that shops at this is a person that shops where for their groceries. Seller finance shops where? Where do they shop? Whole Foods. Okay. Sub two. Um, DoorDash. They don't even they don't even want to get in their car to go get their own food. They go to DoorDash. They go to whatever. Okay. Um, guys, is is this? Is anybody getting any value out of this at all? Do you guys like the screen at all? Does everybody like it? I am. Okay, you like it? All right. Yeah. So um, that's the difference, okay? So we got to start there. and We got to make sure that everybody understands that when we're talking about sub two and seller finance, these are two people. This is like the Whole Foods, the Whole Foods mom, right? That's selling to you on seller finance. And this is the person who is maybe showers every other day maybe one to five times a week. Okay. And I'm, I'm partly being funny, but it is very, very true. The seller, the, these sellers couldn't be further from each other. Okay. These sellers are polar opposites. Okay. So when you're talking about having a conversation with seller finance, that's a whole different conversation. And I'm not going to go down that road today. Today, we're going to go into um, sub two. Okay, we're gonna talk about sub two. So Liz, one thing I can tell you is that you are lacking one major thing. You're, you're lacking one thing and it's very simple and it's a story that a three-year-old can understand. I'll come up with one. <laughs> okay, so sure. here's what I'll do. I'll tell you guys the F-150 story. And if that if you guys like that, I'll tell you guys the Tree of Life story. And it's very good to understand. It's the tree of life story is very easy to understand because it it compares the difference between a wholesale offer and a terms offer. And it really allows you to stand out from the crowd of people that are talking to these sellers. Okay. So let's go into the F-150 story real quick. Guys, give Liz some love. Liz, by the way, what is your, do you have an Instagram that people can follow that's you on? It. That's it. That's it. K4D Liz. K4D Liz, guys, yes. follow her on Instagram. Give her some love. She came on here tonight. This was actually her idea. <laughs> well, this, the question was, that's for sure. Okay, cool. So let's jump into it. All right. All right, so my F-150 story goes like this, and I literally say it verbatim, word by freaking word, exactly this way. I've been saying this story for years and I've now started seeing other people using it for the last year or so, especially my students They use this all the time. And it really hits home. Number one, because F-150 is the world's most common truck. So everybody knows what an F-150 is. And the other thing, the other reason why it works is because, do you know why I told you the difference between sub two and seller finance is because I'm a storyteller, Liz. And I needed you to understand that the majority of seller finance are white collar and the majority of sub two are blue collar. Okay. And if I'm a blue collar seller, what do I typically going to be driving and what kind of job am I going to have? Um, probably uh, labor and a truck. Right. I'm going to be i I'm going to be a small business owner at the very most, a very small business owner struggling to survive. I'm going to drive or be, be driving a truck primarily and I have issues. 
Okay. I have issues. I have, I can't manage my money. Can't manage my life. I have issues. I'm not educated. I'm not well-connected, et cetera. This is why the F-150 story works. The other reason why the F-150 story works is because it's 100% true. And it's easy for me to roll it off my tongue. So here's the story. I had an F-150 that hit 230,000 miles. I use that truck in my business. So let me jump into how I get into this conversation first, Liz. So seller and I are on a, in a conversation. Seller says, so what's your offer? I go, man, that's a great question. What are you looking to get? What's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? One of those words. By the way, Liz, I never give a seller my offer. Never right. once. People that teach you to anchor lose this game every single time. The people who are anchoring are not going to stay in this business a long time. You offend people and people like me come in and destroy your offer. So when you learn how to work with the seller and talk to a seller the way that I talk to sellers, you'll do really, really well. Not all of this is for you, Liz. Some of it's through you to the audience. So I apologize. I know some of this you no, already it's know. Fine. So seller says, well, you know, I really would like to get, I'd really like to get $300,000. And let's say that, um, let's say that my cash number needs to be at like $220,000, which is typical for this type of stuff, right? I need to be, what, what is that? That people call it their MAO, max allowable offer. Right. Um, we don't use MAO, by the way. Uh, it's a, an anchoring technique, but whatever. A lot of people understand it. So seller wants three 300,000. Because like Liz said, where do you think they got that number? Zillow. Their best friend Zillow right? So they get the number on Zillow and they say, well, I want 300,000. I go, wow. Okay. That's awesome. I'm definitely not a buyer for you at 300,000. I imagine you're probably getting a lot of offers in the 220 range, maybe even a little bit lower. Right. And the, I say it just like that. And I call them right out. I call a spade a spade, knowing that they're talking to multiple other investors. And so they'll say, they'll confirm and they'll say, yeah, you know, not so low. This was funny. I actually was in a buy appointment about two weeks ago and the lady had an offer. It was, you know, older people take notes, like physical notes. I'm older. So I do take <laughs> physical notes. I like to write things down. And this lady had all her offers she had received from all her other investors on her notepad and it was uncovered so I could physically see it. One of my good friends, Doug Hopkins was, had offered 185. And then I told her, I was like, yeah, you're probably getting offers at 185, 190, probably at the most, you know? Um, and I saw Doug's name on there. So I knew, and she's like, no, I'm getting offers way higher, way higher, way higher than that. I go, okay, great. Well, for the most part, if I was a cash investor, I probably would be way, 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 way down there. I don't even think it, I don't even think it's a good idea for me to even offend you and go down that road. Okay. So the seller says, well, what would you offer? Tell me what you would offer. I go, you know what? I might be able to come up to your $300,000 if you're willing to give me terms. Now, what's funny about this is most sellers say, huh? What? What'd you say? Terms? They don't even know what the word terms mean. Okay. They don't even know the word terms mean. So what happens is that's as deep dive as I'll ever get on creative finance. Okay. What I usually do, and I look, I could talk sub two seller finance all day long. 
But what I do is I then say, you know what, let, let me explain to you what terms is, Liz. Um, have you ever heard of the F-150, uh, the F-150, uh, Liz? Yeah, I have heard that story, but it's a, it's a good one. Cool. It is the best story to, to convey this conversation. Okay. It is the best. I've never heard anybody do a better job than this because it is true. But here's the thing, Mr. Seller, I had a truck, I ran a construction company and you guys can use this story however you want. You, it can be you, it can be your friend. You can say, yeah, my friend, um, my friend. Oh yeah. Quick REI. That is 1000% true. Not even, not even close. Doesn't even light a candle. So you can say my friend used to be a contractor and had F-150. You can say my brother, my this, you can use whatever. Or you can say, hey, I had a Kia Sentra. People know what a Kia Sentra is, or you can say a, uh, a Honda Civic, whatever you want to do. So I had an F-150. I hit 230,000 miles. Actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't 230,000 miles. It's like 320,000 miles. It was, I misplaced the number. Right. So this truck really made my company a lot of money. There was a tremendous amount of value that came from owning this truck. So when it came time to actually sell the truck and upgrade it, I went to Kelly Blue Book, kbb.com, good old kbb.com, and I found out that the value of my truck with the miles it had and the year it was, they said private party value, private party value was $5,000. Now, Liz, I'm talking to you like I'm talking to the seller. So, Liz, mm -hmm. if I put that truck on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or something for that $5,000. Do you think I'm going to get an offer for $5,000? No, no. I'm probably going to get what? 3,500 bucks. <laughs> right. So what's going on is, you know, Liz, you're, you're asking for $300,000 and I can tell you all these other investors are coming in here and they're probably, like I said, they're probably offering anywhere between 200 to 230 and uh, they're beating you up on price. They're beating you up on price. And look, I can do that too. I like to fix and flip too. I can be in that same range as well. And we can do business together if that's really what you want to do. But my understanding and, and talking to you is that you're not looking for $3,500 for your F-150 that's worth $5,000. Am I right? Right. Okay. So what happened after three months of having that car, that truck on Craigslist, Liz? What do you think happened after three months? It was just sitting there. Right. I honestly, you know how many responses I got on that? Zero, zilch, nada. Didn't even get a single text. I didn't even get a lowball offer. It would be like you selling your property, putting your property right now on the market for $400,000. It wouldn't make any sense. Nobody's going to reach out to you, right? And right. that's what happened to you. For three months, nobody reached out to me on this F-150. And guess what happened? My beautiful wife, I hesitate to draw a woman because I don't want to accidentally draw boobs and people get mad at me. So, um, we'll put a, we'll put a nice dress on my wife. How about that? Okay. So my wife comes to me and she says, Hey, sweetheart. She says, I love you, but I don't love that truck. And that truck is in our driveway for the last three months. I would really appreciate it if we could get that out of the driveway. And I said, babe, I tried selling it. I put it on Craigslist for 10 grand. I didn't even get a single freaking offer. I didn't get a text. I didn't even get a scammer. I didn't, I couldn't even get a freaking Nigerian prince to come and bother me. <laughs> right. So she says to me, this is all a true story. She comes in, she taps me on the shoulder. She tells me this whole thing. We get into a conversation and she says, well, why don't you 
take payments on the truck. And I'm like, what? Take payments? Are you freaking kidding? That's genius. So what do I do is I go back to, I go back to Craigslist and I change one thing, one thing on my post. And this is what I wrote. I said, will, here, let's change, let me change this to a little bit thicker. So I said, will take payments. How much do you think I sold that truck for Liz? I believe you sold it for 10,000. I sold it for twelve thousand five hundred. Wow. So Liz, this is why terms, which I brought up a little bit earlier when I asked you, hey, if I was willing to come up to your three hundred thousand dollars, would you be willing to give me terms? That's why going this route is so valuable because I can take an F one fifty, sell it on terms, and give somebody the value of my vehicle. And in return, I can sell it for two and a half times in this particular situation of what it's actually worth. Now, I'm not suggesting I'm going to pay you two and a half times worth the value of your home, but I'm telling you, you have a, a very specific number in your, in your mouth, or I'm sorry, not your mouth, in your mind, and you want that $300,000. The only person, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only person that has given you anywhere near that number is me. So... The best way to accomplish that and the biggest benefit to what I'm talking about is I can outperform anybody. Now, there's about 15 other amazing benefits to selling to me this way, but the only one that you should really care about in this conversation is how much more I'm willing to pay than anybody else. Perfect. So, you tell me, do you want the 300,000 number or do you want the 220 to 230 because you want to be rid of the property today? And what do they usually say? <laughs> it's not even it's not even a conversation. Right. You I I I would I can imagine you have not seen many of my calls. I I've seen some of them. Okay, so my students in here that have seen this happen, it's like when they're watching it live, by the way, I do this live with my students on Zoom. Oh, okay. I've had people watching me do this live for like, sometimes I'll go eight hours straight and I'm just every 15 minutes, I'm on a call with a seller that my students set up. We'll just do a big long Excel sheet and I literally just call all day long right here on this microphone. And I put it in a place that people can see and hear these calls. I'm telling you, those calls are worth $50,000 of value alone. I have never once had a bad seller call. Never once had a bad seller call. Really? Every single time I get off the phone with a, sell, a seller, my students are like, dude, when, right when we think he can't perform any harder, he comes in like dunks on this seller. Even sellers that are rude to me, sellers that maybe have Asian accents, which are freaking difficult. I see a lot of wholesalers that get an Asian on the phone or I click, I am not talking to that seller, right? I own multiple subject to and multiple seller finance deals from Asian sellers. So the toughest people to negotiate with. Okay. So let's talk about this for an, a couple more minutes because okay. I'd like to get into maybe the tree of life story. Again, this is what's crazy is Liz, have I even once mentioned subject to deed title, any of that stuff through this whole conversation? 
No, and I can see how it's beneficial to have a story because you don't have to bring up any of those uh, no, terms. No, you only bring up what matters to them. The money. The money. And when you when you asked the question last week, you said, "What's the benefit? You know, how do you convey and how do you talk? How do you talk to these sellers about their benefit? The benefits to them, I think, is like number one, money." The only thing that they really care about and the only reason they're, you're even there, it's not because they like you. People think that building rapport is how you get these deals done. They want money. They want money. People, you know, here's the thing. Have you heard my line about building rapport? How to build rapport? Don't listen. For one thing, you have to be an active listener. I somewhat disagree with that. I do. I do agree, but somewhat disagree. Some people will over-listen, which I'm sure I've been in that situation where I over-listen right. get into the friend zone. I'm sure you've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, man, there's no coming back from this. So here's how we build rapport. Guys, you know how good I am at building rapport? I'm so good at building rapport, I actually know how to spell the word. That's how good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so rapport is built through one thing. Okay, one thing, it's not talking about their friends. It's not talking about, I have bought deals talking about people's tattoos and all that kind of stuff. But the number one thing that builds rapport faster than anything else is what? Do you have any idea, Liz? Uh, you talk about the, the property? Nope. I, ne nope. I never talk about the property. You'd be surprised to never hear it. If you ever heard my seller calls, you would be amazed to see that I never, ever, 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 ever talk about the property. Okay. Look at my, look at my students in the side. My students know this better than anybody else. Sergio, Zach Shelley, who I actually just, and Black Line. I Black, started active listening. Aaron Leitz. Zach Shelley just bought a deal from, um, I bought an, an Airbnb with. So he just locked up a seller finance deal. You know, actually, you know what's funny about this is ironically, I want to show you an email I sent for Zach Shelley. Okay. Okay. The number one way to build rapport with a seller is by building credibility. Okay, so how do I build credibility? Is I build credibility by my ability to get them to understand things on their level. Okay, there's nothing better than a sales guy that comes in or somebody that comes in and understands their walk of life, understands their situation, understands I'm not going to talk circles around them. I'm going to tell them a story about a truck. I'm going to tell them a story about, you know, blue collar conversations rather than coming in and saying, I'm a big, bad real estate guy. What you're doing is they believe, okay, my wife is Hispanic. Okay. So in the Hispanic culture, if you go to college in the Hispanic culture, your other Hispanic family members will be like, oh, you think you're better than me. Oh, okay. I see. I see. You're, you think you're better than me. Okay. So it happens in Hispanic culture. Anybody that's in there will be like, oh yeah, that happens to me frequently. So it's the same thing when you're a real estate investor and you come in and you're trying to talk about creative finance and seller finance and subject to and deeds and titles. And we're going to take over your payments and we're going to do this and the title company and the such and such and such. I never go into those conversations. I shouldn't say I never do. It's when the conversation turns into, wow, yeah, I, this is exciting. In fact, I get sellers excited to do deals with me. And what's so fun is I am in, I'm like at the peak of my, bit, my career right now in terms of talking to sellers because of how much I practice it. 
I crave talking to sellers because I love it so much. And the reason being is because I've gotten the point to sell that sellers get excited to talk to me after two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, the sellers are like into it. And what's funny is I limit every conversation I have with the seller, unless I already know I've got them hooked. I limit it to 15 minutes. Okay. So let's go back into credibility real quick. Let's go into credibility. How else do I build credibility? I build credibility. And I'm going to show you guys something pretty awesome that I did for Zach Shelley actually on this deal we just bought. So credibility is number one. Um, number two, um, well, yeah, so let's, let's focus on credibility for just a minute. So credibility is huge. The obvious, uh, the obvious ability to tell a story and getting them to understand things is absolutely huge. Okay. Let's talk about credibility for just a second. Let me pull this up. And let me find an email that I sent to Zach Shelley. Let's see. Let's see if it's on my iPad. Well, here's the deal that I'm buying from him. But let's see. Current inbox, all mailboxes. Credibility. Let's see. Let me find this real quick so you guys don't have to look at my stupid thing. So while I pull this up, we can talk about credibility. Do you have any questions, comments, concerns so far? Nope. I'm good. Is this helpful at all? Absolutely. I'm taking notes. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Okay, so... Zach Shelley reaches out to me and he says, Hey, I've got a seller. I've sent this to other people, obviously. So I'm gonna have to pull this up. Let's Marcia, right? Oh. All right, here we go. Okay, so check this out, guys. This, let's talk about credibility. I actually sent this, I sent this email to um, Zach Shelley. Um, and I said, uh, Mr. Glover. So Zach reaches out to me, guys. Let me just break this down. So Zach reaches out to me. He's one of my newer students. He's like, Pace, I've got a seller on the line. I go, bro, how can I help? And he says, they want credibility. They say, I sound too new to this business for them to sell on seller finance terms. And he really needs some help and he needs to like be pushed over the edge. I go, no problem. What do you need? And so this is where this email came from. And I do this for all of my sub two students. Any, any sub two student that needs this credibility, I do it because having credibility is massive and hugely beneficial for um, being in this business. And one of the ways you can build credibility is even if you don't have credibility, leverage somebody else's leverage, your mentors, leverage people around you, leverage people close to you. And so this is my email that I sent over to the seller. I said, um, my name is Pace Morby. I do real estate transaction and partner with Zach Shelley. Notice I didn't say I am his partner. I'm, I'm not a liar. I partner with Zach Shelley in the Texas market. I personally do deals all over the country with an emphasis on Arizona, Atlanta, Nevada, Florida, and Texas. My personal cell phone is there. 
Me and my partners own several businesses across different parts of real estate world. We own a title company in Phoenix. We actually own this, see below for contact information. I own a creative finance business, a virtual assistant business, um, real estate software business. One of our rental businesses is PCGS. Another rental business is this, blah, 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 blah. We also have fix and flip businesses and develop new homes, but we don't have websites for these businesses because there is no need. You can go to my YouTube channel for more about what I do. Here's a video of a project I have going in Arizona right now. For a testimonial from a real estate Texas attorney, you can reach out to Scott Horn. If we did a deal together, this is the group we would choose to close escrow with. In the photo below, see me in the middle and Scott Horn and his partner on the sides of me. For a testimonial of a recent seller who sold to us, click on this link. We bought their home four weeks ago. For testimonial of our insurance provider, James Jenkins, you can reach out to this. For proof that we own a lot of real estate, look at the screenshot of just a few of our LLC that holds over 40 properties between these two LLCs alone. We have several others and we have settlement statements proving that these, per these are our purchases as well. We are owners of this title company. As you can see, we are doing a lot of business. Zach is someone we are doing deals with and I can personally vouch for him. So when you're talking about getting a deal done and you need to have that extra edge and that extra oomph, this is why having, this is why having an, a mentor or somebody above you that has credibility provides so much value to you because you get down to it and you're taking over somebody's deed or they're selling you a million dollar property or that house in particular, check, I have, I don't even, I've never been to this house, but Let's, let's pull that up real quick. It might be beneficial to pull that up. We could even break through this. Let's see, Zach Shelley. Um, let's see, this is, a, this is the property that we're buying, I think this coming week. Let's see, what's the property? 9618 Waterview Parkway. Let's copy the address and let's go into Zillow. Realtor.com. Let's go. Zillow's cool. That's cool. Let's go there. So this property right here, $483,000, four bed, four bath, 4,200 square feet on a golf course, four car garage, gorgeous home. Obviously the photos are not on here because it's a seller finance. The seller sold this property right here on seller finance to us because of that email. What am I doing with this, Liz? By the look of this property, what do you think I'm going to do with it? Uh, Airbnb or a... Uh, you got it. Right yeah. out of the gate, Liz gets it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so credibility is huge. Credibility is absolutely huge. So you build rapport by building uh, credibility. So many people, they go down this road of, I'm going to be their friend. I'm going to go talk to them about their woes and their troubles and their this and their other. I do not spend any time on any of that stuff anymore. I used to get into the friend zone. Okay. I used to think that building rapport was about being their friend. That is not how you build rapport. You build rapport by building credibility because credibility shows them that you can actually solve the problem. Okay. For me, I'm a busy guy. So do I care about the plumber that's going to give me a really good price or am I, do I care about the plumber that's actually going to show up and do what he says he's going to do? All right. You want the guy that's going to show up? Right. And so that's the value of having uh, rapport. So 
I'm, or I'm sorry, of credibility. So it's not just about having a mentor, it's also about being around people. So check this out, this is a great question. Christopher says, how do we address credibility without enough money to afford a mentor? Christopher, I'm gonna be really rude to a lot of people that this is, um, this is their excuse. I'm gonna be really rude and you can stop watching me, you can check out, you can tune out and not care about me ever again. The reason you don't have credibility is your problem. That is your problem. I don't care about the money. I don't care if you join my mentorship or not. Obviously we have a highly successful mentorship. I don't care whether you join or not. Squat up with my students. They have my credibility. I'm working with one right now. Who? Joshua DeJesus. Love it. I love Joshua. Florida market, right? Yep. Yep. I'm going to see Joshua here in the next, in this coming week. I'm going to be in Florida all week long. So check that out. And I'm in <laughs> Iowa. We're squatting up virtually. You have students that have taken the leap, they've made a commitment and they've spent the money. If Joshua runs into a situation on a deal with you, Liz, and you guys have to get credibility, do you think that Joshua can reach out to me as a sub two student and get the credibility he needs? Absolutely. So by osmosis to, to, to some degree, you also have <laughs> credibility. Absolutely. Okay, but you need to bring, you need to come with value first. You can't just go to a student and Liz, kudos to you. You can't just go to a student of mine and say, you're one of Pace's students. I want to buy this deal or I want to do no. deals with you. I want credibility. You need to bring value. I, I um, have a, a, a small skip tracing business and I have the ability to pull lists. So I'm pulling the list as he gives me the criteria. I get them skip traced and then we, it's go time. He, he door knocks. He does all the boots on the ground and uses his uh his newly acquired sub two skills and and we're in together and i do whatever else he needs me to do so check this out i did um this is how dedicated i am to my sub two students let me do a little bit of a screen share for you guys i did today and yesterday this is how much i care about my students so even though joshua is an you know he's not going to be a creative finance guru quite yet. Right. He has access to my lifetime mentorship. Okay. So check this out today alone. Each one of these videos right here on my screen, I recorded one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 videos. Each one of those are one hour long, 11 wow. hours of recording today, all on case studies, breaking down deals that I'm currently in, in, in the middle of my student that's on a Sunday. It's, it's incredible. I'm wearing the same shirt and jacket I was wearing yesterday because I woke up early at four o'clock. I got going on recording and I haven't showered yet because I wanted to make sure I got all my recordings out before I start my week. So Joshua has that dedicated mentor, at, you know, accessible to him. So let's say Liz, you and him run into a deal and you guys are having a hard time um, with talking to a seller, you have a hard time with credibility, you have a hard time with something tricky on paperwork or a contract or whatever. He has access to me. I spend last, last week, I did 37 hours of Zooms with my students. That's <laughs> on top of everything else that you do. On top of my 12 other businesses that I do. So that's how you get credit credibility. So when somebody, and I'm not bragging guys, I'm just telling you, it's one of the things that gives me energy. I enjoy doing it. Like how I used to feel about golf. I love golf, but I'm passionate about creative finance, like 
at the highest level. So you can't shut me up. I just want to talk about it all day long. Okay. Now, Mark Wright, my dude in Vegas, guys, if you're in Vegas, work with Mark Wright, you got Eva. Oh my gosh. A lot of my students are in here. So let's jump into some more of this conversation. Maybe we can talk about, we've got another 30 minutes or so. So let's talk about the tree, maybe the tree of life. This is a fun story. Um, I came up with this not more than a couple of months ago, kind of live on a seller call. So this is the conversation. I'm going to pretend like, um, Liz, you're one of my students or not one of my students. You're a seller of mine. Okay. Okay. In fact, I have a, I have the recording of the appointments, the appointment that I came up with this live in. And I wonder if I can share this with everybody. Let me pull this up real quick. Liz, I'm going to let you talk for a minute. Okay. And what do you want me to say? <laughs> tell me, tell us what you're doing in your business. How are you marketing? What are you struggling with? Let's talk about that. Maybe um, tell me what market yeah. you're in, what your goals are for the year. I just need literally 45 seconds to pull up a recording. All right. Well, uh, I'm Liz and I'm in the uh, Iowa, Eastern Iowa, Western Illinois, and now virtually into Florida with Joshua DeJesus of the who's in the sub two mentorship. I've actually just recently talked with Joseph myself and I'm looking to possibly get into the sub two mentorship too. Uh, I watch Sunday service religiously because I believe in everything that Pace and Cody teach. I also am a big uh, wholesale hotline advocate and uh, appreciate the uh, three real estate investing investment kings, uh, Brent Daniels, Jamal Demaggi, and I probably just screwed up his name. Sorry. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really hard <laughs> last name. It's uh, uh, Jamil Damji. Damji. Okay. Thank you. And Pace Morby. Uh, and, and whoever their, their incredible list of guests that they have on uh, every Monday. Uh, it's always, it's always, always fire coming information coming at you like a fire hose <laughs> take a lot yeah, of notes i have funny. a notebook just for wholesale hotline it's so much information um okay so i've got so many good ones so many good recordings here uh, let me do a screen share of this you guys might get some okay. value out of this it's kind of kind of cool um these ones are just a couple that i have that are not shared they are shared in the um sub two mentorship as well but let's see. So here's a deal. I got 0% seller finance, free house. I got a free house seller finance, Mary Jane by appointment. A person paid all their bills by selling Mary Jane. Uh, this is a non-motivated seller, which was really good. It was good to get this recorded so that um, I could tell people exactly when people are motivated, when they're not motivated. I have one that I call it can't remember exactly where it is. It's a sub two. Let's see. Let me see. Oh, here it is. Boom. Sub two. I bought two sub twos from this guy and I raised $200,000 from him in one meeting. Okay. So let me share that with you guys. And in this conversation, I make up the tree of life story on the spot. Okay. And we will give you guys this recording for showing up to Sunday service. Awesome. 
Here, you know what I'll do? Here's what I'll do. I will give you guys this link. If you go to, you squat up with my sub two students. Okay, if you squat up with my sub two students, we will, I will have them give you access to this recording. How about that? We'll make it so you guys are forced to squat up with each other. And you can see right now that I, here, I'll share this as well so you guys can see this. Um, no, I, I, you don't need to do that. I'm going to share this link right now in the Facebook group in my private sub two community for every one of my students. And students, if you get somebody that says, hey, I want to squat up with you, you can share this link with them. But they need to squat up with you. You guys need to work together and uh, start doing some deals together and talking uh, about contracts and lead generation and skip tracing and pulling lists and all that kind of stuff. So let's go, let's go into the tree of life, okay? The appointment I just shared with you is the tree of life appointment that I came up with it on the spot. And let's go into it with a little bit of an illustration. So this is what I tell sellers. I say, look, you've got two offers on the table, essentially. Okay, you've got, your house is essentially a tree. And that tree is something that you planted years ago, right? You, you basically planted this tree, you and your family planted a little seed a long time ago and you bought this property. It's now sprouted into a tree where it has equity you know, it's provided memories. You've even had a little rope swing and a little tire and all that kind of stuff. This is your house. Okay. This is essentially the tree of life that this little tree that you, you or this seed you planted a long time ago is now you want to get the most out of this tree. Okay. You want to get the most out of this tree. And so essentially what we're doing is I'm going to tell it backwards because of the way I'm illustrating it. Uh -huh. What I run into is so many times you fruit that's bearing off this tree. You could turn this into a rental if you really wanted to, Mr. Seller, but I don't think you want to be a real estate investor. If you turn it into a rental, you'd be able to come over here and you'd be able to pick off the fruit of this tree every single month. It, this tree would continue to produce for you. You'd be able to take that fruit forever and forever and forever, as long as you take care of that property. As long as you take care of this tree, it's going to continue to produce fruit for you. But what you've told me is you want to sell the property. So what essentially you're also telling me is that you're considering a cash offer. And when you consider a cash offer, this is what a cash offer looks like. You allow the wholesaler, you allow the cash offer guy to come along and what they do is they chop down your tree, okay? They chop it down and you know what they do? Is they allow you to basically cut the tree off at the, at the root, at the stump, and you take all the tree and you essentially turn it into wood. And that's essentially what you have. And that's great, it's cash. But essentially one thing I know about wood and a big style pack of wood is that you're going to, it's gonna burn. You're gonna, this, how, the tree is gone now, you've chopped it down. Now the wholesaler, what do they do to get? They get the, the trunk, they get this piece. Okay, they get essentially fix and flip the property and what they do is they dig out the roots and they get a portion of wood that they can go and burn and they can go warm up their family and all that kind of stuff with it. So the cash offer, you guys are saying, well, you're lowballing me. I say they're cutting you off at the trunk. 
So these cash offer guys are cutting you off of the trunk and they're leaving this portion right here for themselves. They're giving you this portion and that's great, but typically it's about 70% of the tree that you grew with your family. So that's what we're talking about here, right? The investor, the, the cash buyer, so to speak, don't you think that they deserve to make money? They deserve to make this section here the hardest part, which is the fix and flip and putting on the market and managing the contractors and coming up with the money and doing all that kind of stuff. And for that effort, you're going to allow them to have about 30% of your tree. That's what a cash offer is. And look, I do cash offers as well. I love cash offers. I'm a fix and flipper when it makes sense. But what I'm hearing from you is this. I'm hearing that you have this tree and this tree has produced a lot of fruit for you and your family over the years. And you're telling me that you are sick of these lowball offers and you don't want people coming in here and offering you these low, low numbers anymore. And you're essentially telling me you don't just want the tree or you don't want just that top portion that the, the cash offer is willing to give you, which is cutting that tree off, giving you about 70% of it. What I'm hearing you say is that you want that tree to continue to produce fruits for a long, long time. And not only do you want to sell this tree, but you want to have a portion of those fruits that it bears for a long time. You want the full tree. You want the entire thing. You want to have access to that full price. So what you're asking for is you said you want $300,000. Well, this is a seller finance situation, by the way, and that I'm illustrating. I can do a subject to one as well. But what you're telling me is you want to sell this for $300,000. I'm telling you that I can give you not only the $300,000, which is the full tree, but I can give you some of the fruit that that tree produces even after you sell it to me. And what does that mean? That means you can sell this property to me for full value, get the full tree, the whole entire tree that you sold to me or that you built with your family. You can sell that whole thing to me. And we can charge two to 3% interest on that. And you can continue to bear fruit, even though you don't have to be the one managing that tree any longer. I'll continue to take care of the tree. You can come over here every single month, bag up a barrel of oranges, bag up a, bar a barrel of the fruit, whatever that fruit ends up being, and you can continue to enjoy the benefits of the tree that you and your family planted a long, long time ago. Now, the benefit I get is I get the other fruit. Okay. And we work on this tree together and we both maximize the profits out of this. So not only do you get your $300,000 plus an interest return, it gives me the ability to get into a tree and start producing fruit for my family and producing my own trees and producing my own wealth and producing my own memories with my children. And so you selling me the entire tree and me allowing you to continually enjoy some of the fruits is what I'm talking about when I tell you I can pay you full price. That is such a great story. I mean, I don't think anyone could ever top that. And I didn't bring up seller finance. No. Deed, transfer, creative finance, any of that stuff. I got more stories where that came from. And when you guys get the recording of that, from my students, you will hear, this is what I did. I, this is every time I go into an appointment, I take my phone and I put my phone on the countertop and I record every single appointment that I ever go on to uh, physically face to face. 
every single time because I understand how good I am in this game. There's one thing I'm good at. I am good at telling stories. I'm good at getting sellers to understand things and I'm good at illustrating why they should sell the property to me. So again, Liz, let's go back to the very, very beginning of this conversation. Okay. Okay. The beginning of this conversation was if we remember, Now we're coming full circle. Right. Why are sellers not selling to you? I'm overcomplicating it. You're overcomplicating it. These sellers are not understanding the benefits to creative finance. And you did not speak to them like they were three years old. The tree of life story, when we go down to that, what seller is not going to be understood? What three-year-old doesn't understand? Hey, let's not chop down the tree. Let's both of us produce fruit. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. And it makes sense. Right. And it, it actually does. helps everybody else out. So with the last 15, 20 minutes that we have here, let's talk about a couple of other things. Let's talk about the benefits of subject to and seller finance to these sellers. Okay. Okay. First and foremost, let me ask you a question. All right. What is more important? And the answer is nothing, but let me, because let sometimes I'll tell people, hey, you know, I'll ask them a question. They think that there is an answer and it's like a trick answer. I don't want to do that to you tonight. Okay. Thank you. Because um, then people are like searching their brain, like pace. I, I, I'm supposed to have an answer. Okay. Let's talk about this. What are the benefits to subject to? Number one, what did we talk about? You already came up with it. We already came up with it. It's money, money. but not just money, but the most, the most money. money. Okay. And then subcategory there is on seller finance, which, you know, that maybe is another topic for another day, but on seller finance, you are getting um, all the fruit. You, get, you continue to allow that tree to produce fruit long-term because you're getting a return, okay? So um, let's do, so that's number one. Now, here's my question. The answer is nothing, but let's, let's, let's answer um, number two. What is more important than getting the most money for their transaction? What is more important than getting the most money? Uh, yeah. The answer is nothing. Nothing. There is no important uh, other important thing. It's that's it. That's the only thing that's important, really. At the end, yeah. end of the day, they got all the money. Their problems are solved. That is the thing. Now, if you want to jump into something where there now you're going to run into issues where people have timing issues, right? or people need some immediate money. So in a seller finance or a sub two, they can still get a down payment. Doesn't mean they're giving it to you at zero. So I buy a lot of deals where I give people down payments anywhere from $0 to probably $10,000. I did, however, just buy a deal from Maurice Grant where I came up with $100,000 on an amazing property. Nice. That's another story. Wow. Yeah. That's a dope, that's a dope property. So. That's another benefit, right? Some people say, what are the other benefits? Well, they get a down payment. They get money in their pocket today, okay? 
they do get paid today. It's not like they're just carrying the whole thing. They're getting something. Okay, so that's one benefit. Another benefit of sub two is their credit gets built. Okay, so when people say, well, why would I keep my, my, my uh, this is the best line that I use with people. People, sellers and my students have seen me take those, these calls. Seller says to me, well, why would I leave my mortgage in your name? I go, why wouldn't you? Answer a question with a question. Right, why wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. Doesn't it hurt my credit? No, I mean, it, you, a performing mortgage on your credit is the best benefit to your credit report of all time, a performing mortgage. And they say, well, what, what happens if you stop paying? I'm like, that's the right. best thing that could happen to you. That's the best thing that could happen to you. It's actually one of the benefits is if I fail to perform, you keep number two, you keep my down payment, dude. And then not only that, but you keep my money so I'm the only one that really loses in this situation, but you also get the property back. Right. So my question is, why would you ever chop that tree down? My question to you is, why would you ever even consider selling to a cash buyer? Now, here's the thing, guys. Wholesalers, I'm a wholesaler, by the way, so I can talk schmack, okay? Sure. Wholesalers are on average are paying anywhere between 50 to 60 cents on the dollar of a property. Okay. They're about, what? 70% of ARV minus repairs, right? So at the end of the day, it's 50 to 60% of ARV. Guys, what am I paying on a sub two? I'm paying anywhere between 80 to 99 cents on the dollar. You have no chance against me. None. You have no chance. I will destroy you every time. And then what's funny about it is not only will I destroy you on this, but even when a seller goes down this road and I end up having a longer conversation with the seller because we actually have more options with them. And this is what's great about telling stories, Liz, that you get to be in longer conversation with the seller. Let's say the seller says, no, I want cash. The likelihood, the likelihood of them going with you instead of here's Joe, the wholesaler versus me, Pace, I'm going to make myself a little taller because I'm, <laughs> but now I've told them stories. I've given them other options. We've given them, I've given them offers of real higher, uh, real, a lot higher uh, purchase price. What's the likelihood of them going through Joe versus me, even on a cash deal? Me. Right. Nice every time. Yes. I'm in the game longer. Proximity. I'm in there. I'm in there more times. I've had more conversations with the seller. I've had, had more opportunities to hear their stories about their cats and their dogs and their tattoos and all their stuff. So telling stories about all of this stuff actually puts you in a play where you can get more cash deals done. And they have credibility because I'm squatted up with uh, Joshua, who's a sub two student. Guys, is anybody getting any value from this Sunday service tonight? We've got a little over 350 people watching live, which is great. Appreciate oh, wow. you guys so much. 
Um, it always starts out slow, builds strong. Um, we end up getting close to a thousand people that kind of come in and out of Sunday service. So really appreciate you guys tuning in. Let's, let's check it out. James Dempsey, I'm in Atlanta, 13,000 first wholesale deal. Um, losing the sub two paid. I membership. had the bell light ring it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a lot of students in here, um, James, that are paid sub two students. Guys, if you're a sub two student that is not happy with your mentorship, I want to see that in the comments. So again, guys, it comes down to telling stories. And I knew when Liz was saying, well, I need to talk to a seller. I knew what this was coming down to with Liz. It was coming down to one thing. Liz was doing what? She was too damn smart. Overcomplicating things. And this is my problem. Now, you guys will hear, anybody that's a student of mine, you guys go into the recorded calls with all the sellers. One of my favorite lines of all time is I tell the sellers I'm not the decision maker. All the time. Do too. I create a fictitious third party where I say my partner this, my partner that, I got to talk to my partner, blah, 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 blah. In fact, this is what I tell sellers. I go, hey, uh, hey, Tim, my name's Pace. Did so-and-so tell you I was going to call? Okay, great. Hey, uh, my job description is actually, I'm the most boring guy in the company. I just sit at a desk all day long and look at properties and make a determination on which properties we're going to write a check on and which ones we're not going to write a check on. My job is really boring and I'm so sorry I have to call you, but I just wanted to get caught up to speed with the last conversation you had with my team. That is not my job description. I am not the guy that writes checks. I'm not the, I'm not the nerdy guy sitting at a computer underwriting deals at all. That's not what I do. But I'm painting a picture to the seller so right out of the gate they have zero fear that I'm a salesperson. They don't want to talk to salespeople. Tell them that you're the nerdy person sitting at a table and that you unfortunately had to call them. You really didn't want to have to bother them, but you have to be the one that underwrites the deal. I do tell them I have partners and uh, it's not really fictitious. What I keep in my mind is something that I learned at a mastermind, a local mastermind. And it, it is, you know, I call investors when I find properties, Hey, has your criteria changed or I'll, I'll ask them, Hey, I've got a property in, in bluegrass, Iowa. Are you interested? Yeah, I might be interested. Those are your partners. The investors right. that you talk to are your partners. So it's not really fictitious. It's just that you're, they're not your, your, you know, on your LLC with you, you don't share an LLC, but they are your partners. It's just like your title companies, your partner, a realtor you work with is your partner, uh, your attorney. They're all your partners in your business. Right. Love that. So Liz, what do you think you got to do this week? What's some action steps you got to do this week? Um, I've got to come up with a story. Right. Or I'm going to use an iteration of, of the F-150 or the Tree of Life, which I love. The tree. I love them both. They're, they're both awesome stories. I have a couple in mind um, that would could apply now that I thought about it and, and thought about it in the context of your examples. So um, I'm going to try that this week. And uh, when we get these uh, lists uh, back from skip tracing, the ones that Joshua doesn't door knock, I'll be on the phones. So I'll be talking to them as well. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna practice it. I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna use the story. Love this. Christopher says, oh, let's jump to this. I'm in Colorado. I have a horse property for pre-foreclosure divorce lead. How would you explain a signable contract to somebody who is licensed and dispo? The way that I would explain that is I would say that I'm partnering with somebody and they're going to be the financial backer on the deal and I'm going to assign it to their LLC. That's it. Pretty easy one. Um, Colorado, if it, as long as it's not in BFE, Colorado, I might be a dealer, a, a buyer on that, Christopher. I would love to buy a horse property in Colorado. What city is it in? Is it like in BFE, Colorado, or is it in like Denver? Bruce says, do you illustrate as you tell a story? Bruce, I am... That's a great question. I do not illustrate as I tell the story. That's a new thing that I'm trying with you guys to see if you guys actually like the whiteboard. If you guys like the whiteboard, I'll continue to do it. Um, but I kind of got to a point where I'm like, man, people don't want to see my face. I'm freaking nasty looking, especially when I don't shower. <laughs> no, you're not. So I I just thought, hey, I'll that would be good. Jeremy Davis says he brings a coloring book everywhere he goes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so no, I don't illustrate um, when I go to these appointments. I just do it verbally. It's a lot easier actually to tell a seller these stories than it is to tell you because while I'm telling this story, I have no feedback, right? When I'm telling a story to a seller, they go, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, those little verbal cues, you can tell if they're actually understanding you or not. And I, that's what I feed off of. And so I can tell a story way better, way faster, way more eloquently than I can um, just telling you on a podcast. So, um, Rylas Dana, by the way, if you guys don't know Rylas Dana, this man and I have done multiple deals together. He is a probate attorney here in Arizona. Um, not only is he handsome, he's incredibly smart. And, um, I love that guy. He's amazing. So if you guys are not following Rylas, Hey Rylas, put your Instagram in the chat, please. So I can throw it up on the screen. I'd love for everybody to follow you. Is Rylas only uh, in Arizona or does he do other states as well? Um, he does California and Arizona. Thanks. But probate laws, I know they vary from state to state, but overall they're not dramatically different. Uh, if you have questions, he's somebody that would be well. Hey, um, I just gave you, I just put the um, code to jump onto the stream. I want to talk to, I want to bring this gal Ariel Goosby on. Ariel, can you take that link that I just put into the thing? It says HTTPS StreamYard.com with all the little weird numbers and letters. Click on that and get into the, the live with Liz and I. I want to talk to you about that question about your LLC. That's a great question. Um, hey, my girl from San Antonio. I think she's coming on board with us as a private lender, actually. She's going to be um, lending us some money on some of our fix and flip. So thank you so much, Bea. I appreciate you. You're awesome. Um, but yeah, I would love to talk about this LLC question. I think a lot of people don't quite understand it. So let's go through that. Value Vegan says, I have a deal in New Mexico. Need help getting it contracted up. Who's the best person to contract or contact to get it done? So Value Vegan I would reach out to somebody in this group maybe that could help you JV on the deal. Randy says, how do I find sub two property? So interesting. That's a great question. Should we jump into that? Yes. It's a great question. 
happy to jump into that. Let's see if I can get, I want, I don't want to get Ariel. I think her name was Ariel on here to talk specifically about what happens if I don't have an LLC. Um, let's see. So there it is. Um, what do you suggest for those of us who don't have an LLC? So I think the YouTube thing is kind of like behind a minute or two. So we'll give her a minute to get in here. I'm going to give you the link one more time. Um, and then I'm going to answer this question right here. Okay. If I have a deal in New Mexico, need help getting it contracted up, who's the best person to help to contract to get it done? So value vegan, first and foremost, we want to talk about what kind of deal that is. Is it a wholesale deal or is it a creative finance deal? And anybody that's a sub two student of mine knows they should be reaching out to you and DMing you right now and saying, hey, love to help you out. They have my contracts. They have access to me. Um, they know how to underwrite deals, et cetera. Um, Christopher says, how should I contact you about the specifics of the deal pace? Well, if it's in BFE, Colorado, I want to have nothing to do with it. But if it's actually near a city that has a, a Walmart, okay, pretty close to Denver. Um, Christopher, reach out to Kelly Hanno. Her name is on the screen right now, Kelly Hanno. She actually runs my media team. She's my media manager. She runs the Facebook group. She runs YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, like all the stuff. Kelly's beautiful, amazing person. She's super She's awesome. awesome. Yeah. She Ariel. Yes. Hi. Hi. Are we gonna get well, wait, let me turn my TV face? down because that's what took me so long. I had to find my phone because I'm actually watching you on my TV. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Are we gonna be lucky enough to see your face or no? Yes. I uh, let me figure this part out. Okay, I'll put you on mute for a second. You can figure it out. Okay, so the other question was how do I find a sub two deal? So let's jump into that until Ariel can get on here. How do I find sub two deals? Well, pretty simple guys. Pretty stinking simple. First and foremost, you don't. Okay. This is you. Your job is to build a conveyor belt. The conveyor belt gets filled with one magical thing. And that one magical thing is called what do we call that? What do we put on this conveyor belt? We call that leads. Those leads essentially turn into your product, right? You have six things that your product has to go through before it ships out the door and it gets shipped to your cash buyer and you ultimately get paid. Okay. Your lead has to go through six phases in order for you to know if it's a deal, number one, right? Underwriting, negotiating, follow-up, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately there's a filter process right about here that you filter whether that's going to be a good product or not. And that filter looks like this. The lead comes in. The lead comes in. I love how people try and jump in here. It's so great. Ariel, did you figure it out? Not yet. Let me... Well, let's just have a conversation. You don't need to figure out this, okay. this screen. Okay. So ask me the question about the LLC. Let's talk about it. Okay. So I had a call with a pre foreclosure. Um, now I was speaking to her because I saw one of your videos um, with another investor and I saw uh, it was actually your video about the seven, the seven or eight ways um, 
that you can also help them. So I kind of went that direction. That was uh, with Brent Daniels, pre-foreclosure yes. mastery. Correct. So, and and I saw how you were, um, the angle that you kind of presented to her, or to the person that was the seller, that, hey, look, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to, you know, just give you money and take your property. So I went that angle with her and it helped because she was very defensive automatically over the phone um, when we got on the phone, but she kind of, you know, dialed down and she was very receptive to what I was explaining to her. Now, after she was receptive to what I was explaining to her, it came a question of, okay, so what is your company's name or where, like, you know, what is your backing? What's your LLC? Do you have a website? Do you have an Instagram or Facebook page and things like that? So I, I, I'm going to be very honest. I became a little bit frazzled because I don't. And so having to explain that to her, like, hey, no, actually, I don't have an LLC or a website that you can kind of go to to validate what I'm trying to do or how I'm trying to help you. So, so the, when you first when you first started out with this or when I first started out in this business, this is what I would tell people that ask for my credibility package is I would say, oh, you know, I'm just a small mon pond investor. We just, me and my wife just do this on the side. Okay. And so you just kind of brush it off. Like it's no big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and for the most part, that's going to handle most people. But my question to you, Ariel is um, what, and don't answer this quite yet, but I'm going to answer, ask you a question. I'm going to guess a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um, why don't you have an LLC? Why don't you have a mentor to, to get credibility from why don't you have a website i'm going to guess it's a couple of things either a you just started b you don't have the funds or c you don't see the importance of it quite yet because you haven't believed that this is your full-time business quite yet okay <laughs> yeah i would say i would say uh well a i just started i am very new to it okay. um B, I actually have a course with the Clever Investor that I have. That so why could why couldn't you leverage Cody Sperber? That's a pretty expensive course. Why right. couldn't you leverage him with credibility? Um, that honestly, I didn't I didn't even think of that. Um, it was actually gifted to me, so it wasn't. Oh yeah, that's that's you're probably not going to be able to use that because I get students will use my name and I get sellers that call me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't, that's I probably didn't not a good it. one to use, but mm -hmm. uh, okay. Um, I, and I definitely would. I don't think that that was something that I actually thought about until I was looking into um, private money lenders. And I actually have some connections show in Virginia with a few real estate agents and, thing, and other investors in that area. And I was asking about the private money lenders, and I was told a lot of them actually look for people with LLCs or they won't um they won't lend so that's kind of where my my mind went about it and then the call with her i i had actually never had another person ask me about the company or you know where's your website xyz got it okay so this is one of the things i provide to my students whenever they want it is i'll even get on the phone with their, their sellers i mm -hmm. um for 2020 i probably did it close to seven eight hundred times mm -hmm. um Kevin says, this is my first Sunday st service as a sub two student. Congratulations, Kevin. Thanks for joining the mentorship. I hope you get a ton of value. 
all the sub two family I'm sure has welcomed you into the group. But here's the thing, Ariel. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do is this. I would create an LLC. Do you know how much money it costs to start an LLC? I don't, but I definitely started looking into it after I had a call. <laughs> I would say uh, less than $300. Okay. Okay, so here's the problem with setting up an LLC, okay? I kind of don't want to tell you guys this because then it gets you guys scared to creating an LLC, but there are right and wrong ways to set up an LLC. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you just go set up an LLC, here's what's going to happen. What is an LLC is it's just an entity. The, the, the IRS looks at this as an entity. What most people do is they go put this under their personal name. Okay. okay. If you pull up anybody L, anybody's LLC in the country, their LLC is going to show up with their personal name attached to it. Okay. I teach my students to create an LLC that you can never see their personal name. Okay. And if you set it up incorrectly, you can't go back. You have to go start another one. Okay. So um, you want to be very careful on how you're setting up an LLC, but from the standpoint of just marketing and not acquiring properties and all that kind of stuff, it's perfectly okay for you to just go get a cheap LLC just to have one. But at the end of the day, sellers have no clue how to pull up an LLC. So here's what I would actually do. I would go buy a cheap domain and I would buy a cheap like landing page that looks like a real estate website and I would spend a couple hundred dollars to have a cheap website and that's it. All they, all these sellers care about a lot of times is just checking a box. Okay. 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 Um, so I wouldn't over worry about the, the actual LLC until you know how to do it properly. Um, mm-hmm. You can mess up LLC structures and then I have properties right now or we, I have LLCs right now that I created eight, nine years ago before I knew how to do it, that I'm still dealing with those problems of mm-hmm. waiting for the properties to sell outside of those or wait until, wait until they appreciate enough that I decide I don't want those anymore. I sell those. I don't want properties in those LLCs because they were structured incorrectly back nine, 10, 11 years ago. Mm. Okay. So you can pay for it for a long time. It's not like I'm paying for it. It's not like it did anything illegal. It's just that I want to have anonymity, okay? Anonymity means if somebody pulls up my name, like for example, let me, let me do this one really quick. Let's do, I'll do a little screen share for you guys. Uh-uh, let's see. Well, it's not gonna, it doesn't wanna do a screen share. It's, it's like your things I'm frozen. So I won't be able to do it, but normally, actually I do, I'll do, I'll do this, this will be easy. Uh, Arizona. A lot of people don't understand how this works, but I'll break it down for you guys. So let's do Arizona Corporation Commission search. Okay, now if I pull up PJ Morby, Ariel, can you see my screen? I can, you're on Google right now. Okay, so let's let's say I pull up entity named PJ Morby. Okay, PJ Morby, guess what? Guess whose dumbass name is on there? Yours. My dumbass name. I'm a dumbass for setting up this LLC a long time ago incorrectly somebody can pull that up and go go well obviously i named my llc after my name too that was stupid (laughs) okay but let's pull up let's say pcgs which is one of my other properties pcgs property management or pcs pcgs management there's no name whatsoever 
nobody's personal name there. I hired a registered agent to have their name on the, on the company. You can't pull up any of my documents and pull up my personal name. And then you can pull up what's great is you can pull up, let's say, um, Maricopa County assessor. And what's cool is I can do residential property. Let's search PCGS. This is a really simple way. Look at all these properties I own. Okay. So you can pull up that LLC really quickly and see it, but guess what? You're never going to see the name. You can see all these properties. I own all of these, mm -hmm. but you can never see that I, I'm the, I personally am the owner because of the way I set up my LLC. So let's say somebody wants to sue me, Ariel. Let's say that I get a tenant that slips on ice and they want to sue me. If they know I own all these properties, okay, if they know I own all these properties, they can come after me personally and say, oh, this guy's super wealthy. We're going to go after him. Got okay? it. So what I do is I buy about 20 properties per LLC and then I create another LLC and another LLC and another LLC and another LLC. But I have all of my LLCs owned by a holding company uh -huh. and then my holding company is held by a living trust. Okay. Okay. I'm just taking notes. <laughs> now, um, if you ever join my mentorship or you ever become friends with a sub two student, I have an entire, uh, I have my estate planning attorney actually coming in next month. Mm -hmm. Last month I had my CPA come in, my insurance guy come in twice breaking down like high, high level, how to structure your business, like very, very high level stuff, um, breaking down every little thing. So what I would do is I would squat up with one of my students and ask them some of these questions. So Ariel, where do you live? Uh, I live in North Carolina. I'm originally from Virginia. I have I bad ass students in North Carolina. Okay. Okay. So Kelly Hanno maybe can connect you. Kelly Hanno is my media manager. She's also a sub two student. Uh-huh. Okay, so reach out to her and say, hey, connect me with some North Carolina students that I can provide some value to. Okay. Okay. And what was the last name again, one more time? Her name is right here on the screen, Kelly Hanno. Okay. Got it. Kelly is so correct about this. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this and we're going to bounce out. I hope everybody got a lot of value tonight, but... Kelly is blown. <laughs> it's good, this right? Fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me on too. You, hey, Liz, you're awesome. So guys, check this out. Lexus and me, bro, I love the name. But if we're trying, guys, if we're trying to be real estate professionals and we want to squat up with each other and we're in here on a podcast, we've got 350 people watching live right now. 350 people between Facebook and sub two or Facebook and my YouTube channel are watching live right now and somebody wants to get a hold of you and you want to make your name. I, I'm, I'm, I want people to know my name. I want people to know who I am. So guys, change your name on YouTube, change your name on Facebook to your God given name that you want people to call you in business. Cause we're trying to do deals together. Okay. Need you guys to squat up with each other. Need you guys to make a name for yourself and take this seriously. And Lexus and me, I'm sorry to come down on you. Okay, yes, Black Lion, Kelly Hanno is coming to the mastermind. She will be here for the mastermind. Um, Ariel? Yes. Really great question. I hope that gave you value. Absolutely. 
Reach out to the sub too soon to get some help. Okay. Yeah. I, I when you said it, I actually started looking through the group and I, I threw that in the comments and I already have at least one person that I'm linking up with. Love it. Awesome. Bye bye. So Liz. Yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> so are you. Thank you. I, I hope you got value tonight. I think a lot of people got value from you pushing last, what was it last week or two weeks ago? We were talking about this It was last week. So I really, oh my gosh, look at this guy. RJ rebel real estate investments, LLC. <laughs> Do I need to change my name? Yes. I don't know what your name is. Is your name RJ rebel? Is your last name rebel? Or is your first, I don't know. Come on, man. I want to know your first name. I want to be able to call you by your first name. I want to know that I'm talking like, for example, Liz last week, Liz is the one that came up with this topic. I knew she came up with the topic because I knew her name. She always makes great comments. She's always posting in the, in the group. I recognize people's posts that are constantly using their real name. Okay. So Liz, we appreciate you. Thank you for bringing us so much value tonight. Well, thank you very much for inviting me and I will put, put to use right away what I learned tonight. Awesome. That is the way it's done. We'll see you on Wholesale Hotline tomorrow night. And everybody that's in Florida, Jamil Damji and I are flying into Florida Friday night. I'm sorry, Wednesday night. We're going to be in Florida, uh, Miami, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, driving up to Orlando and doing a meetup in Orlando and then taking off Sunday night. If you are in Florida, hopefully we can see you in Miami and in Orlando this coming week. We'll see you guys next week on Sunday service where we talk more about multifamily subject to and seller finance multifamily stuff. So we're going to have a special guest coming in. I'm super pumped. See you guys. Oh.